Welcome to the Music Prophet. We're here live with Joey Karma. Yo, yo, yo. How's it going? How's it going, everybody? Thanks for coming on the Music Prophet. I think it's going to be fun to just kind of like jump into the music process itself. Yeah. And kind of just, yeah, like dive into like the writing and production. And yeah, man, I, you know, I love talking about the craft behind the music and building up to a song or what the, where the idea comes from. So thank you for having me. Yeah, man. It's an honor. So uh, for anyone listening that isn't familiar with you, let's kind of give them a breakdown of mm-hmm. your sound and like how long you've been doing it, That just the, the yeah. general, you know? So um, I was born in Sudbury. I grew up in the Valley um, playing hockey, you know, getting into fights, getting into trouble. I started making music at like 9, 10, um, recording it by 12. Um, I had a friend, he's a little bit older than me back then, well, he's a couple years older than me, you know. Um, his stepfather had a bunch of MCTV equipment. So we'd put that all together and whip up some recordings, uh, live scratching, live performance. We practiced a bit of everything back then. So I think performing the music and kind of showcasing my skills to people, even in like little circles at school and smoking section, you know, you freestyle to the smoking section, that became my like path into writing music and I didn't really get serious about songwriting until 17 18 like serious about what I was writing um, prior to it's just like that practice that stage where you, you're getting your emotions out but you might not be clear clearly relating with people you know um, otherwise yeah my music my my roots in music come from listening to a bit of everything so my parents raised me on like a little bit of Jan Arden little bit of Bob Marley, a little bit of UB40, Elton John, you know, a little bit of everything. So I really like to showcase that when I'm making music. I don't like to just be hip hop. I like to mix in other genres, you know. When it comes to mixing genres, is there, are there certain ones you draw from the most? You know, like, are there yeah. piano chords that you heard in Jan Arden yeah. that you're like, this needs to be in every track? I feel so. I feel like it lately over the last four or five years. I think I'm secretly a fan of like old Gaelic folklore music. So a lot of dark indie music and indie songs, bands like Seafret, uh, you know, um, they really push me to like explore where I can go with a song. I listen to a lot of different music um, to motivate me. I don't really listen to a lot of rap and hip hop. Lately, when I do, it's like when I'm with friends or in a crowd or at the bar. But I listen to a lot of independent music, a lot of indie artists. And uh, yeah, I'm a fan of guitar. I'm a fan of, I feel like I always, I've always been in love with guitar. Mm. Anything in the minor key, like I'm just in love with it. It just tends to fit where I want to go with my voice. So are you an acoustic or electric kind of dude? Acoustic, I believe. I, I w- I've done a couple beats lately that I purchased from uh, this producer in the States, uh, in Michigan, actually. Shout out to him. And uh, yeah, they're acoustic. They're purely acoustic. There's no drum pattern. My voice becomes a drum. There's no hi-hats. There's no nothing going on but acoustic. And uh, I'm going to put out a little three-track sample, uh, more like a demo of me on acoustic beats. So. It is interesting because that's kind of where spoken word, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, where it almost comes at. One hundred percent. And like when you're when I'm building it, 
it's like layers. Like the, my first vocal is like a little bit of that drum pattern. And then if I add a little bit of an underlay to that vocal, then it, all of a sudden you hear percussion within the beat. So it becomes less of an acoustic when you're doing something like hip hop, I feel like on, a, on acoustic. All of a sudden you hear a whole, a whole instrumental from your voice. It's, it's pretty crazy. When it comes to songwriting for that, do you change up, like, are you more conscious about word placement as much as you would normally be? Or are you thinking more like, like, what are you thinking about and what elements are you trying to actually focus on when you're doing writing for acoustic more than a beat that's already built yeah. with 808s and the synth? And I feel like the focus was more and is more for me, um, the vibe, like, if I can, if I can time in my emotions the right way, it all falls into place. I feel like, so while I'm creating um, my my music on acoustic beats lately, I'll literally just let the beat play for an hour before I even think about what I'm writing. I'll just let it fall into me, and then once the beat's really into me, I can walk around the house, come come up with what I'm gonna do. Then I'll just go to the mic, record a, a chorus or a hook freestyle. And then go back under that with some written lyrics. And um, it's a layering process. Like I said, it's like I'm choosing, I'm, I'm looking for the vibe, I think. I think that's my key. My key goal is to like make the vibe right, you know? Get my message out, yeah. Relate to people, of course. But if, I, if the vibe falls in, in place, then everything else will come together. What sort of, like when you come, can you kind of expand on vibe? Yeah, even? so... I mean, like your emotional status in the moment and then the emotional status that you might want to output in the song might be different. So to match them up and make sure that you're in key with what you're thinking, what you're feeling and be able to actually put that out instead of kind of maybe beat around the bush by metaphorically talking about it. You know what I mean? Getting directly to the point first, being vulnerable and then confiding in yourself to find the rest of the, the answers within the song. You know what I mean? Um, more like a poem. So when I say a vibe, it's like the emotion has to be there and the emotion is going to lead you into what you want to say initially, like your main message for that day or that moment. And then you go from there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So your vibe today might be, oh, I've been uh, waking up late. You know, I've been having slow days, this and this. The vibe next day might be like, or next week might be, Oh, I'm in a great mood. Everything's been going good. People have been hitting me up. Business is great. The week after, oh, I just lost a friend, this and that. So wherever the vibe is, bringing that initially into play right away instead of looking for something to do on the song. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of uh, like you, like we were talking about like acoustic. So I really felt like I went on the melody. I like invisibly disappeared the drums in my mind. Like I'm not looking at the drums. I was looking at that. Messing with that time, and so I could slide in between where I felt like was right. Um, and the bass, the bass just kicks it harder with that 808 kind of delay, pulled back delay, you know, mm -hmm. it gives it sense that guitar that kind of it's got an acoustic appeal, but it, then you got the drums and everything there with it, right? So it starts off that's where I'm like, that's what leads me into these beats. I feel like sometimes is those 808s that extend, but I like working with the acoustic, right? So, what is your how do you, where do you see everything going? Like, since you're going more acoustic, 
Yeah, that's so kind of that was just, a trend. Yeah, so but... just the guitar, uh, the, the three track acoustic project I'm working with, um, beautiful, right? It's just guitar. It's just like it, to to be able to accent any t- different type of melody and to create something else from it mm-hmm. and make a different melody. It, that's really exciting to me, and I never really got into that. Um, when I was in college working on music with people who were p- playing guitar around me, we'd work on music together, but we never just worked on acoustic work. Yeah. Be some drums or something else evolved. So, um, but is that, is that a, is that sort of your prediction on where things are headed in the, in the rap game? No, Towards I feel more like, acoustic I, lyrical type. I feel like they're like, uh, like side projects. Like it's like a special type of album Like you could do albums you could do eps but to do a acoustic album or an acoustic demo or ep it's just like it's showcasing that you're really more of an artist than you are uh, a performer you know it's just or you're more of a performer than you are an artist you just whatever someone wants to take from that um i believe it just shows the creative side of any artist you know especially when people like you got Chris Brown who did it, Justin Bieber, 50 Cent even did it. And then now it's like a trend in the new upcoming uh, hip hop game with like Polo G, No Cap. They're all singing or rapping over someone with a banjo. And uh, it's super cool. I believe that might have motivated me too. I was already doing it as that was happening, but I did it a couple years ago as well. Like I say three, four, five years ago, I worked on three, four, five projects with a couple different people. My buddy Crip, my buddy Mike Major. And uh, I never release them because I'm, re- I'm really self-conscious sometimes about where I'm going when I'm in a new direction. But um, the new ones I'm working on, I'm definitely going to have released. And I think they led me to make songs like Die Off, which are full instrumental. You know, the whole production's there. But um, I'd show the producer a couple acoustic tracks and he'd be like, oh, cool. I'm gonna, I think you might like this beat. I've been working on it. I'm like, cool, cool. Yeah, just add some drums and I'll mess with that. Boom. So When you say that you are self-conscious is it because you're thinking is it because you think that the fans won't like it or is it because it's not up to your musical level <sighs> i believe it's like you know you have a voice in your mind when you're working on a song you have a projection in your mind of what you want from the song a premeditated idea and if you don't get it immediately and you know you have to work at it again you people might like it already while you're showing them but you know that you can make it so much better. So it's like a perfectionist thing. It's like a, yeah, it's just like a little bit of a producer anxiety because I produce and mix and master my own music. So it's not just stepping in the booth, recording, walking away, writing the next song. It's sitting there making sure it's perfect, mixing it down, going back a week later, mastering it for a day, you know? So it's more of a process and I'm a bit bit more of a perfectionist because of it. Do you feel that hurts you in the long run? Oh, it it definitely could. Yeah, it definitely has at times and periods of my life. And um, yeah, it definitely can. Because I could have got hundreds of songs out by now, maybe four or five albums. I've only dropped like 11, 12 mixtapes that were serious. One EP, never dropped an album yet. Um, I've been working on singles that people believe they're like, oh, this could be an an album single. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to work on an album. These are just premeditated singles that show you what I can do with an album. But um it definitely, it's definitely hurt me a couple of times in my life where I could have released a lot of music and maybe got ahead of a lot of people. Um, I'm just not so competitive and I don't envy people. So because of that, it doesn't bother me to hold back a little bit 
and then let go when I feel like I really need to, you know? Yeah, because I mean, the rap game, it's not a race. Exactly. And I don't, I don't feel like I need to compete with people. It's more like I'm competing with myself to make better music. Yeah, you know, like it's always because I because I feel like that's a better way to do it than some rappers who release something every three months. Yeah, and I you know which and is, I've been that guy in the past. Well, I had to sit back and stop for years and realize that I didn't need to. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always interesting because then it's even from like a radio host media point of view, it's tough to promote those. Like you, every time there's new there's new stuff coming out, like you can't. It's not. It's not that special anymore. Yeah. Know? How do you stay on the? How do you stay on the ball? Right. It's like someone's dropping an album or a video five, six times a year, seven times a year. You end up only liking one or two. But if they're just dropping songs or the odd songs and they're not putting them all in your face, they're not making them all seem to be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You might not get flooded and annoyed by them. So it definitely is a process for for artists these days because there's so there is a lot of comp- competition. I find. Um, within the industry. So the artists who are outside the industry, like me, who are still kind of underground mainstream, um, need to develop sort of that comp- competitive level sometimes, right? Um, it's not always easy for Canadian artists as well to, to stand up and want to compete with the American industry, but I believe it should happen more often. And especially with mainstream rap. Without like really being competitive in a way where it's like, we know what we're doing, you know? Yeah, it's like it's competitive in just... In a non-athletic sense of the word, yeah. But you're right, man. When you look at the mainstream rap industry itself and how how much demand there is for people through his projects and how, yeah, it's just, it's it's wild how much you're expected to put out. Yeah, and the moment you start creating that expectation, then you're kind of stuck. Yeah. So if you, the moment you stop feeding them what they want, because they expect you to drop something every two months or every three months. And the moment you stop, it's like, whoa, I used to drop something like every week. So that was a lot to me. Dropping something every month or so, that's not really a problem. I can do that. I'm already ahead of myself. Like I have 24 songs finished and like seven other songs I'm working on. Then a little EP over here, then features over here, then a, a single with Flavor Records out of Thunder Bay that I'm working on. And that actually I have a feature with Crooked Eye from Slaughterhouse that I'm working on as well um, for the Gods vs. Titans EP2 from Flavor Records. So like these little projects, to have a lot of projects ahead of yourself, then you can keep up with certain people. But going in it without having that kind of like going into your first initial couple releases and not having a bunch of extra projects, I think that's what makes it competitive for a lot of these artists. They... They get full of themselves. I see a lot of big artists get full of themselves, do great. And I'm like, I applaud them. I'm like, awesome. I love this one song, blah, blah, blah. A year later, they're gone mm-hmm. because they couldn't keep up with an artist who was on the same le- record label. You know what I mean? So I think you really have to like kind of be ahead of yourself when you start releasing and being serious about your releases. Um, and I, I, feel like start- there's a, I feel like there's a layer too of, because you said earlier, you mentioned it too, which I found really kind of dope you brought up was artist versus performer Mm -hmm. because you can notice that too when you look at some people like jid yeah versus someone like like liotti yeah where you can tell one person who writes everything from scratch versus the other who probably has freestyles and five writers yeah Yeah. and so it's kind of like it's interesting it's definitely there's a layer that the true artists are able to maintain it Mm mm-hmm 
but they have to be spending their entire the whole time working on the craft. Yeah, and and it might be harder for the the artist versus the performer, but the performer is like seeking like glamour and glitz, you know. The artist is seeking silver linings. Like it's like that little difference is like what what it's worth. So mm. I feel I feel like it's the same with athletes, with painters, with cooks, chefs, you know, uh, hairstylists, uh, people who do a certain craft. They either want to be a perfectionist at it or they just want to look really good doing it. So um, some people find a, a, a way to mediate between the two. But, yeah, that's why I believe the artist versus performer thing is a, is a whole thing of the new day and age. Like It's, a, it's the important thing. It's an important stage of music because there's a lot of artists that are great performers. But you know there's a hundred other artists that are more lyrical on the back end that aren't getting hurt, that have a story that might be a better performer in the long run if they had the work or the time put in. Um, I see it every day. There's artists. I see great artists all the time, but not everybody looks to them to be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that certain status, right? Mm -hmm. When you make beats, are you building up? Just like you said, I'm literally like looking for the hook sound first. So when I'm making the beat, whether it's I'm using a sample or you're making from scratch, you're just looking for that hook sound. You know what I mean? Um, Or the lead up to the hook. What's going to lead you into your change up in the song? So what's going to go from verse to hook? What's going to go from verse to hook? Then let the rest build off that. It's verse or the hook? Um... Listening experience, verse of the hook. I feel like the verse, the hook is what can catch you in, get you addicted to the song, but the verse is what's going to be like the the message. Like the, It's like when you say a speech, right? You have your salutations, you have your, your end of your speech, but the middle part is what captivates people. So I feel like that's what a song is supposed to be. Um, it's not the case, though. Sometimes you start... A song with the hook and then the verse comes in, that verse is more effective. I mean, the hook's more effective. Sometimes you start a song with the verse and then the hook drops in. And because of that, the verse was more effective. Um, it can change and differ. And I don't like to only like cut my songs into verses and hooks. I like to like write it as if there's bridges and ballads and you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't like to like kind of follow format. Like the jump off format sometimes with the beat, so it it always depends. I think it it differs. Yeah, I noticed that with uh, with Jupiter. Yeah, it's very much like that. You you hit that three minute mark, it starts to fade out, but that's only it's only just like a instrumental bridge, mm-hmm. and then the beat switches again for the actual outro. Yeah. So I love I love change ups in instrumentation, like. It, it changes your emotions because you're listening to it, you're listening, you're feeling one thing, then all of a sudden that change up, boom, makes you feel a whole different thing, whether it brings you up or down. Um, I love that in music. I love being, I love what a beat's vulnerable because then it helps you expose certain things you want to write about and uh, think about whatever the case is. Um, and I find vulnerability is what helps people relate the most, you know, being honest. So. And is that just the, is that just because you listen to a lot of, classic 80s 90s songwriters i think so man like it's like even like artists like tom petty john lennon like i just i have an ear for a certain type of message and a certain type of emotion with that message so and some rap songs will captivate that for me um some rock and roll songs some blues songs some country i know a lot of people 
always say they don't like country, but I think secretly everybody loves country because it's where everything comes from. You just have to find your sound. You know what I mean? So I love every genre and I feel like uh, I love every genre more than I love rap. So I definitely take that take my like influence from old 80s, 90s, the best of those artists, you know? It's interesting you say that because I feel like if anyone else heard that, that's not a musician or artist, they'd be like, well, why don't you make other music? I do. I'll make songs that are different genres. I just don't like to always, like I said, I do have uh, I do have anxiety and I procrastinate on getting things out that people might love, but I don't know, you know what I mean? And now I feel like I could perfect it more or whatever the case is. Um, I doubt myself sometimes and I, I, I could put a lot more work out. I know I have more songs than a lot of people that I know and have worked around. Um, I always make music, so I'm always writing or mm -hmm. rehearsing something or putting something down. Well, and the hard part too, when you start jumping in other genres, is that you have to have that ability to sing mm -hmm. or play acoustic. Yeah, like or... full out sing. Like I can melodize and like vocalize and uh, falsetto and stuff, but like all out sing, like lead vocalist, nah. You know what I mean? That's a different level of singing. And there are people who come up to me like, oh, I love that song. You sing this and this. I'm like, I'm I'm not really singing. Like, um, I'm like melodizing. You know what I mean? I sang a note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like there's a, there's a, I hit a couple notes. But uh, yeah, like I sang in a, I was actually in a choir before and things like that. I had to do vocal theory. I had a vocal teacher, two different vocal teachers, a pianist and accompanist. And uh, I had to do singing. I sang in Russian. I sang in German. I had to do a. Uh, sea shanties and whatnot but even then as much as i passed and did good on those i'm not a singer you know what i mean i'm a vocalist i'm a i'm an artist um the voice your your voice is, is like a instrument itself so when you can use it in different ways like i i'm versatile to an extent where i can sing higher sing lower sing mid but without over singing right um I applaud anybody who can really like carry those vocals and those notes back and forth like crazy, you know? Yeah, like, because that's a, especially when it comes to like holding tone, that's a challenge that unless you're classically trained, you just, you're not going to have any luck doing it, I feel like. And I only have a year of classical training, so it doesn't to me like I'm not classically trained. <laughs> of course, yeah. I couldn't imagine being like, you know, eight years classically trained with a accompanist, 10 different pianists. Oh my God. Is that where, uh, but do you, self, do you see yourself jumping into that? Like long term? I see myself helping other artists and going into teaching long term. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking of working with artists in the future. I've done it in the past and I've always had a great joy with watching others kind of transpire into what they want to become or what they want to bring out of the music and bring it to life, helping them bring it to life. So I see myself helping artists in the future, maybe going into teaching. Um, I have a couple more years in me of dropping some albums and I have some hot videos that I'm actually dropping at the top of 220. I've just been holding them back and uh, I have a lot to do next year musically and to get my get myself on tour. I dodged a tour this year so I'm going to be actually setting up a tour next year and mid next year hopefully going on tour. After that I want to get into teaching and helping some artists, you know? Yeah, I mean, even more so than you do now, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Like the amount of artists that you've either produced or recorded for or helped them build an album is, I think it's a longer list than most people think. 
Actually, like, I made a list, and then uh, it was, like, 86 or 88 people lo just locally, and then I kept adding and kept adding and revising, and I realized I was over 206 once I got to, like, talking about some artists from Montreal, a couple artists from Timmins, a couple artists from the Sioux, the Island. Which isn't, dude, like, yeah. two artists that you've worked Since with 13, ridiculous. Yeah. Either collabed with, worked with, or recorded, or actually, like, helped them develop, whatever the case. Put them on stage, shot their video. Invested some money, built their logos, um, paid for their logo design, whatever the case. I just help artists get their stuff together so that they, they see what I see in them, right? And they can be a little bit more confident about it. Yeah. So, I mean, as uh, as kind of like the final topic before we go out, yep. um, like what is the, when you see an artist, do you have some sort of like guidelines that you hear their track and you're thinking, cool, this box is checked off. This one is checked off. This one isn't, but it could be. Yeah, I guess I, I don't, it's not really guidelines. I'd say it's like everybody's different. So some artists, they might have the delivery down packed and I could see the passion in the way they deliver. And I could see how much they want to excel at that. And maybe they're just missing a little bit of lyrical ability or, they're too lyrical and they need to dumb it down a bit so that people can relate. Um, or they're just missing being comfortable with themselves and having a bit of self-esteem. I think it's different in every artist, but I always see something that stands out. Like it could be their voice. It could be something they said that is just like, oh, wow, that's an old soul. You know what I mean? He's 16 years old or he's 21 years old and he sounds, he's thinking like he's an old man. Like, you know, he's wise. Um, it's just something different. Everybody has something different that I like, I feel. Yeah, it's interesting because I find that with entrepreneurship, like that's, it's not really guidelines, but there are like certain standards yeah. that, you know, like you, like when someone's asking for help or mentorship, you kind of like, you look at them. Exactly. And you see, are these three things, like, are there certain things here that I can actually build on, you know? Exactly. It's like they either have natural ability to do one of the five major skills involved in hip hop or... They know them all and they just need to work at them all. Either or, I, I always just see what it is that they do well and they can do better. And I just let them know that they're amazing at that already instead of like undermining it. I push it and motivate it to a point where they believe in themselves fully because they weren't questioned about that one thing they're really good at, you know? Mm -hmm. so. On that note, I, I think that's going to wrap it up. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that was dope. It was a solid episode and I like that. I like that you can have rap artists come on here and actually just be equivalent to, you know, it's one of those things that it comes with the genre, mm -hmm, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's a perception. They don't think we're human. They don't think we're human. Right? <laughs> so it's sweet that you're able to come on here and especially just kind of share the bit of the wisdom. Look out for uh, new Joey Karma songs on Google. Just type in Joey Karma on Google. I'm on every uh, streaming platform and you can also find me on YouTube. Instagram, Facebook. And then that will finish the music proffer for this week. So thanks for listening.